You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. Somebody may wonder what in the world is going on. We're in the middle of what me and Pastor Sam came up with called Pastor Swap. I had an opportunity to spend some time with the students Wednesday night, and we had a ball and uh, had so much fun with a great group of students. And, uh, and then Pastor Sam is going to be with us here in just a minute delivering God's Word. And I just want to kind of let you understand why. What's the why behind what you're about to participate in? Uh, I think it's extremely important as we move forward. One of the goals at Crossroads is to leverage our influence. Uh, you need to ask yourself this question. Not if, but when. When you find yourself in the middle of the room with the greatest influence, what are you going to do with it? And I just want you to know that the goal is not to hoard that influence. And you, we have an amazing staff that does a lot of amazing things and a lot of amazing people. That's the reason why we'll do the This Is Us. Because I think there's something that comes when you can identify with more people. And so that's the heartbeat about everything that's about to take place. Because I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to hear Pastor Sam's heart and allow him to deliver. And it's going to be awesome. Before I dive into everything, I thought I'd share a story with you. Um, and maybe lay out a little bit of a confession of what I used to do before I was youth pastoring. I used to work at a club. I know a lot of people don't know that about me. Um, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> so I worked at the Boys and Girls Club for three years. And my first year at the Boys and Girls Club, I got a text from my boss. And my boss texted me. And he said, Sam, tomorrow night there's going to be the big NASCAR race at Bristol. It's a three-hour drive. The person that was going to take three kids bailed. Do you, and you can find one other staff member, want to go up to Bristol and take the kids to a NASCAR race? Uh, I'm from Michigan. I don't really know anything about NASCAR or the South or Bristol, for that matter. Um, so everything in me said no. <laughs> but then this stupid little part in me said yes. <laughs> so I said, sure, let's go. Let's do it. So literally the next day, I got to the club, the Boys and Girls Club, and uh, figured out what kids I was taking. They gave me keys to a uh, big red passenger van, an eight-passenger van. Uh, they're, they're like, all right, there you go. So I'm driving this huge van. I've never drove one in my life. And I get these kids in, and we are pumped. We are headed to Bristol for the first time. It's a three-hour drive. Uh, these three kids were crazy. <laughs> when I say crazy, I mean like they were insane. They were off the walls nuts. Like if they would have went to the club and said, uh, we're going we're gonna to line every kid up. Here's three kids. Pick three kids. I, no offense to these kids. I probably wouldn't have picked those three because they just, they were nuts. And I didn't really know them too well, but I knew them enough to know that I don't want to be around them because they were crazy. So they get in the van. We're on the drive. We get to Bristol. And I figure out that Bristol is a little bit bigger uh, than I realized. Um, they can hold 162,000 people at Bristol Motor Speedway. A lot of you probably know this because you watch NASCAR. I had no clue. I'd been to Tigers games growing up, and there's like 30,000. So 162,000 people is quite a bit more. And I'm 18 years old, mind you, and I'm responsible for three lives at Bristol Motor Speedway with 162,000 people. <laughs> I'm scared to death. I'm not going to lie. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, let's go look at this. I'm like, no, come right back. We're coming over here. I'm literally, like, having them hold hands. They're like, Mr. Sam, I'm 12. What are you doing? I'm like, now you're holding my hand. Here we go. So <laughs> we get in. We get our seats, and turns out we're in, like, the fifth or sixth row. Like, we're super close. They give us these earplugs. I was like, why? And then I figured out why. It was crazy loud. 
And they said, racer, start your engines. It rattled at room, and it's crazy. And they go around the track one time. They go around the track two times. They go around the track three times. And I'm like, this is sweet. The fourth time they stopped, a huge rain cloud came, and it started just storming, just started pouring out of nowhere. And I'm like, you guys are wimps. Like, keep driving. I drive in the rain every day. <laughs> like, this is this NASCAR. What's going on? Like, you're in your car. What's lightning got to do with anything? Like, this is stupid. Like, drive. Come on. They stopped the race. So we sit for a while. We wait. I uh, walk the kids with hand in to the concession stand, get them what they want to eat, gave them Mountain Dew. Bad idea. Um, <laughs> we do all this, and it turns out that they were going to cancel the race for that day. They were going to postpone it to tomorrow. And I'm like, well, I mean, I ain't staying in Bristol overnight. That's for dang sure. Not with these kids. So kids were going home. So I got a text from my boss. They're like, hey, just take them out to eat. Um, take them wherever you want. The Boys and Girls Club will cover it. And then we will just uh, see you late tonight. Their parents will pick them up at the same time. I'm like, cool, no big deal. Uh, that stinks we can't see the race, whatever. So I'm walking these kids through the pouring rain all the way out to my parking lot. I mean, I'm drenched. <laughs> we're wet. We get all the way there. I get in the van. I turn the key and nothing. <laughs> I mean, nothing. And immediately I hear, oh, Mr. Sam, you left your headlights on. Mr. Sam, you're so stupid. I didn't leave the headlights on. Turn the key, nothing. So I'm thinking, all right, uh, maybe the battery's dead. Let's find somebody a jumper cable. Well, believe it or not, out of all 162,000 people at Bristol Motor Speedway, not anybody had jumper cables for me and three kids. So we're walking around literally in the pouring rain trying to find some jumper cables. I'm calling my boss over and over and over and over trying to get them to pick up, and they won't. And I'm, I'm frustrated at this point. I'm trying to keep my composure. I'm trying to be cool, trying to be good Mr. Sam, hanging out with kids like this Fred Rogers character. But literally, I just want to uh, honestly get a hotel and tell the kids to hitchhike home at this point. Like, I'm not happy. So the van won't start. AAA finally comes. They said, ah, it's your radiator. You're, you're not going anywhere tonight. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm 18. I got three kids. Uh, what do you mean I'm not going anywhere? He's like, yeah, we're not. That's not going to get fixed. I'm sorry, bud. Like, you're stuck in Bristol. So I called my boss, hoping they're going to say, you know what, Sam? We're going to come pick you up. I called my boss. They said, hey, try and find a hotel. I said, excuse me? I said, I'm in Bristol, which is not a very big town, with 162,000 people. What hotel do you expect me to get into? They said, just try and find one. So I finally find a motel with an M. And uh, <laughs> we get into this place, and um, it's the worst possible place imaginable. Let's just say that. There's one room, the worst possible place imaginable. We get in this place, there's bugs, there's insects, there's literally roaches climbing out of the bathtub. I'm freaking out. There's one bed for two leaders and three students. So I'm like, all right, kids, climb in the bed. I guess me and my buddy who is leading with me will sleep on the floor. So we slept on the floor terrible. It was, it was terrible. I didn't get any sleep. And the whole time, I'm asking myself this one question. Why? Like, what is the point of this? <laughs> like, why is this happening to me? Have any of you ever been in a situation where literally the only question you can ask is why? Like, I don't understand what is going on. Why? Why me? Why? This sucks. Why? 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 Why, God? Why? <laughs> and I'm aggravated. The next morning comes, my boss pulls up in the morning in a minivan, 
we get in, <laughs> and they had the audacity to go, man, you guys stink. Like, you guys kind of smell. I was like, thanks. Thanks a lot. So I love these guys. The, the, the people I worked with were great. Don't get me wrong. This was, we laugh about the story now. But we get in the car, and I, I'm like, just, I'm upset. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't understand the point of this trip. I'm like, we just gave these kids an awful weekend. <laughs> like, this is terrible. We will never see these kids at the Boys and Girls Club again. That was my thought process. And <laughs> the, my boss jokingly asked the kids, they said, how was your trip? And the kids said, that was the best trip ever. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, what, we were supposed to see, like, cars crash, and instead we almost saw our car crash. I mean, that was terrible. Like, they said that was the best trip ever. And in the moment of this trip, in the moment of everything going on, the only question I could ask is why. But I didn't understand why until later on. Little did I know while I was going through all this, this mess, through, through everything that was happening, that I was literally giving these, these students, these kids, a trip of their life. And what would have I been if I was just angry throughout all of it? I mean, we tried our best to keep our composure. We tried our best to have fun. The inside of me is asking me why, but the outside of me was just trying to just give these kids a trip. And at the end of it, I heard that was the best trip ever. We're about to go into a series at Crossroads called Then and Now. And it's talking about how Bible characters in the past relate to our life now. And how stories that, that seemed rough in the past now have an effect on us now. But I want to do entitle this message a little play on words, now and later. Because it's really easy when you're in the later to understand what happened. But when you're in the middle of it right now, and later seems so far away, boy, that's a different story. That's a different story. So I want to share with you a little story, I say story, it's a true story, about Joseph. Uh, Joseph, many of you know this story, it's a very popular Sunday school story, was the favorite son of Jacob. Joseph had a ton of brothers, and Joseph was the favorite out of all of them. So Jacob gave him this coat of many colors, you guys know the story, right? Later on, Joseph gets thrown into a pit and sold into slavery by his brothers. And then Joseph uh, gets to work for Pharaoh. In Genesis 39.2, when he works for Pharaoh, it said, The Lord was with Joseph, so that he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master, Pharaoh. That, that, that verse right there kind of stuck out to me. This, this translation says, so he succeeded in everything he did. He prospered in everything he did. That seems backwards to me when I was reading through this. Because to me, it's like, okay, if he would have prospered, he probably wouldn't have been sold as a slave. <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, I don't know one slave that's ever prospered. Like, to me, that, that doesn't seem right. That seems backwards to me. 
So later on, Joseph is, is working for Pharaoh. He, he's sold as a slave. He's working for Pharaoh. And he moves up, and, and God, God gives him favor. And then Pharaoh's wife's got a thing for Joseph. And she tries over and over and over to sleep with Joseph. And Joseph is like, no, nah, I'm not into that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to be faithful to what God's called me to do. I'm faithful to Pharaoh. I'm not about this. So she gets mad, and she just accuses him of rape. And then later on in 3920, after that happened, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. See, that's, that's the piece that sticks out to me again. Because it says that, the Lord was with Joseph. And to me, I'm confused. I'm like, God, if you're with Joseph, then why is he in prison? God, if, you, if you're giving favor on Joseph, then why is he in prison? And I really feel like the message that the Lord wants to give you today is that some of you think that prison is holding you captive, but really it's in prison that you're prospering. I'm going to say that again. Some of you think you're in a situation, you're in a storm, you're in a prison, and you think it's a punishment, but little do you know you're going to end up prospering. And that's hard to see right now. That was really hard to me to see when I'm in the van and the key doesn't start for this NASCAR race, that literally this is going to be an incredible trip for these kids. But later on, I saw that, you know what, this, this mess is going to prosper. I wrote this in, this, in my notes. I, I want to read it just like it because I, I, I think it's powerful. In relation to storms, in relation to prisons, the breakup may have been hard in the moment, but God was actually making room for someone better suited for you, and you're going to be happier than ever before. You might have lost your job, but God's about to throw something even better in your lap. You might be battling sickness or death for a while, but the pain in the nearness you feel close to Jesus right now in the time of suffering, it will be greater than, than any hardship. The pain is always worth it. The prison is always worth it. You can go back to so many stories in the Bible. You can go back to Paul and Silas when they're captured in prison. Immediately they're out of prison and there was a purpose for the prison because the jail guards got saved. Everybody got saved. You can go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown in the fiery furnace. And later on the whole nation is shifted because of somebody's faith. Maybe you're not stuck in prison because of something you've done. Maybe you're in a prison. Maybe you're in a storm because God's trust you that when you come out of it, it's going to bring faith to someone else. But how we handle ourselves in the storm is the key thing. Storms don't just come to people that, that do bad things. That's, 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 that's wrong. Anybody ever heard of Job? The beginning of Job says that Job was blameless before the Lord, that he was a righteous guy. And he went through all of that so mean you can read about it and see somebody's faithfulness when somebody's slain that they still trust the Lord. I don't know what you're walking through today, 
I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what pain you're in. I don't know if it's divorce. I don't know if it's death. I don't know if it's a sickness. I don't know if it's financial hardship. I don't know what it is, but God can turn something that was so terrible and so wicked and shift it for his good if you allow the prison to let you prosper. God is so good that he can use something that's supposed to bind you to free others. Let me say that again. God is so good that he can use something that is supposed to bind you to instead free someone else. So later on in Joseph's life, Joseph was extremely good at interpreting dreams. This is the gift that God gave him. And Pharaoh figured out about it. Because he was interpreting the dreams of the other prisoners, and they were coming to pass. So Pharaoh figures out about this, and Joseph's interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. And later on, Joseph is literally made one underneath Pharaoh, ruling all of all of Egypt. None of that wouldn't have happened if Joseph wouldn't have been sold into slavery. None of that would have happened if Joseph wouldn't have been thrown into jail. None of that would have happened. It was the storm that allowed the favor to come. So some of you are in a storm right now and you're frustrated and you think it's because you did something wrong. You think it's because it's something that you, you haven't done right. You're in a storm potentially because God's got something great for you on the other side and he's just trying to grow you. I started working out two and a half weeks ago. Um, terrible experience. I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I hate it. Um, I'm not growing. Uh, you can still see I'm a twig on this stage. <laughs> not much is happening. And what I keep hearing after talking to Tristan at lunch, who's like a low-key bodybuilder and a bunch of other people, is that like you want to you wanna hurt yourself to break the muscle so you can build it more. And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't sound fun. Like, <laughs> I'm not into that. I'm just trying to get big. Like, I'm not into the whole breaking thing. But without the pain, the gain doesn't come. And here's the thing. It doesn't happen right away. Some of you are in the middle of a storm right now, and you're like, okay, sweet storm. All right, I'm ready for, for it to be gone. I'm ready to grow. Plants don't typically grow overnight. You normally don't get buff after your first workout. It's a process. It's a process. When's the last time you've seen a storm that lasted 10 seconds? It's going to linger for a while. But are you willing to endure it? Are you ready for the rain? Here's the deal. The storm was not intended to destroy you. The storm was actually intended to grow you. You ever notice that, like, farmers like storms a little more than other people? Like, they actually like the rain? When's the last time you've seen a farmer get out an umbrella and run over his crops and be like, stop raining, stop, stop the rain, stop, stop, I don't want the rain, this is dangerous, stop the storm, stop. Because he understands that, that it's the storm that grows the plants. It's the water that grows the plants. 
But here's what we do in our life with God. Here's what we do in our relationship with God. The storm comes and we get out our umbrella and we say, you know what, I'm not down to get wet. I'm going to stay here and play it safe. And then we come into church week after week after week after week and we ask, how come I'm not growing? How come I'm not, how come I'm not growing? The storm's still coming. You're still affected by it. You're just staying dry. It's still a nuisance. Like the storm's still a nuisance because you got to get out your umbrella. you got to open it up, and you're sitting there trying to keep dry. The storm's coming over and over and over, and you're frustrated by it, and you're just doing all your best not to be exposed to it. Do not run from the storm. Don't do it. Don't run from the storm. Can I say it a different way? This sounds crazy. This sounds radical. Embrace the season of brokenness. Do you know how to get over brokenness? You get healed from it and you cling closer to him. You know what's a sure way to be broken again? Just sweep it under the rug. Any of y'all ever broken a plant, uh, not a plant, a pot or something when you were growing up? And you tried to hide it from your mom? It's that initial thought process of, oh, crap, I just broke the plant and I got all this guilt and all this, like, oh, no, what's going to happen? So then you hide it, and then it's like, oh, it's chill for a while. Like, you go on. And then your mind finds the broken plant. And then it's, like, even worse. And that's what we do in our life. We're broken, and we just try and hide it. But then it gets exposed again, and you're even worse. And God's saying, I just want to heal you right now. I just want to get it out of the way. I just want to grow close to you. I've been in a season of brokenness in my life, and this sounds nuts, but sometimes I miss it. That sounds crazy. Sometimes I miss it. I mean, I'm in a season right now where I'm wedding planning. I'm, I'm in a, an incredible ministry. Like, I, I, I'm, in, I'm on top of the world. But sometimes it's not that I miss the things that were happening. It's that I miss the nearness that I felt in that season because God says he's near to the brokenhearted. So soak up those seasons. Soak up those seasons. I'm not going to be long today. I just got one main point that I wanted to share with you, and that's to embrace the brokenness. Don't run from it. Bring on the storm. If I can share a little bit of my testimony with you, I've shared it with students. You've heard it before, but I don't. I don't know that I've ever shared it with this, with the church as a whole. About two years ago, two and a half, three years ago now. I was in a season where I was in a ministry position that I was loving. I was full-time at a church, and I was in a relationship that I thought I'd spend the rest of my life with. Uh, I had the ring bought, and I thought, I thought that was the right thing. Never gave it away, never proposed, but I, but I thought I was in the right season. And in the matter of two months... I went for exciting, thinking about proposing and being an amazing ministry to not having a job at a church, 
and going through the hardest breakup you could ever think possible. Within two months, I mean, I, I felt like I felt like Joseph in this sense. Like I, I thought I could see the dream right in front of me, and then in a second, I was thrown into a pit. Felt like I was sold out. Felt alone. Let me tell you, I've never been broken and hurt and depressed to the point where I felt physically ill. I've never been hurt to the point where I, I cried and I, I had to be held up. I'd never been broken like that before. Within two months. And I was aggravated. I was like, God, I'm serving you. Lord, I'm doing all I can for you. Lord, this relationship, I'm trying to stay pure. Lord, in this, this ministry, I'm trying to do what you see best. I'm doing all I can do. Why on earth are you taking all this from me? And the Lord began to show me in that process that, that he corrects the woman say that he loves. And that while I may have not been living in sin, I wasn't in his will even though I thought I was. And he loved me too much to put me in a place where I didn't belong because he had so much better for me. I read the book of Job and I read Job crying out to God, though you slay me, yet I trust you. And boy, was that the cry of my heart. Though you're taking everything away from me, though I'm in a season where I'm broken beyond belief, yet still I trust you. Let me tell you, I was never, ever felt the nearness of God like I did in those moments. And some of you are broken right now and you need to listen to me. Don't run away from the brokenness. Don't try and fix it. It's not yours to fix. You know what my prayer was? God, bring this back to fruition. God, bring this relationship back so you can heal my heart. And I heard the Lord whisper to me, Sam, I can heal your heart all by myself. Stop trying to fix it. A lot of people are broken right now. Golly, realm is just going crazy with prayer requests. Our nation is in turmoil. We have streets burning down. We have oppression going on. We have COVID running rampant. We have so much going on. And this nation is broken. But here's the issue. Instead of saying what the Lord says, if my people will hear my voice and cry out to me, then I'll hear their land. If they'll humble themselves. We don't humble ourselves. Instead we say, you know what, I'm going to try and fix it all by myself. And what God's saying is no. Like, I'm actually allowing this to happen so you'll get closer to me. Nothing can get by him. I'm not saying God causes the mess to happen. I'm saying sometimes he just uses it for his glory and for you. And while preparing for this message, I mean, I'm human like you. Part of me thinks, like, that sounds kind of messed up. Like, God's going to allow, allow me to go through pain for me to get closer to him? But I think we're asking the wrong question. God, why would you suffer the ultimate pain for me to get closer to you? 
and he did. Some of you in this place tonight need to hear my words. Embrace the pain. Embrace the brokenness. Don't run from it. You can hide it all you want, but it's going to come back. At the end of Genesis in 50:20, Joseph is saying to his brothers, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to the position so I could save lives of many people." The storm that you think is intended to harm you is going to grow you. But are you going to be the farmer with the umbrella foolishly trying to stop his plants from growing? Or are you going to throw it away, get on your knees, get planted, and say, you know what, God, I want to grow closer to you in this season. You know what, bring on the storm. I'm reminded of Jesus when he's sleeping on the boat with the disciples and the storm comes. And Jesus is asleep. You know why Jesus was asleep? Because he understood that the storm wasn't that big of a deal. He understood, you know what, the storm looks scary, but it's just there to to grow the disciples' faith. So the disciples wake up, and what does he say? You have little faith. Like, do you still have no faith? It's a teaching moment. It's a moment for them to grow. Storms have always been an opportunity for us to grow, and a lot of you are in them right now. But will you embrace it, or will you run from it? If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.